Welcome to Con Langery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley, and with me over in Ireland, we have Edgar Grunwald, also known as Artifexian. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hi, George. <laughs> uh, well, hello, Edgar. And I, I have uh, off and on followed your channel for a while. Um, and like years ago, you made a few like conlang tutorial videos. And then mm-hmm. you sort of started up a project of building a world from scratch. And, and um, the conlanging part, I presume that's like something that's so far off into the future right now because Perfect. you're not to the point where human beings are, are on the planet yet. Correct. Yeah. At the moment, what's going on on my channel? Oh, but yeah. So I'm Artifexian. I have this YouTube channel called Artifexian. And as George pointed out there, yeah, we have, I'm doing this project where I'm creating a planet. Um, at the moment, I am in a sort of geofiction stage, uh, you know, working out climate zones, ocean currents, that sort of thing. And later on down the road, uh, the Conlang would be brought back. So Conlang's on a slight hiatus on the channel. Yeah. Uh, but you are doing some Conlanging on your podcast with your co-host, Bill. He has a world and he's not Conlanging, but you are sort of reverse engineering a Conlang out of his names and stuff. I am. I am. So yeah, my podcasting co-host, Mr. Bill McGrath, best friend from college. He, for many years now, he's been creating this secondary world, which is conveyed to the audience through diegetic means. So every month he writes a small bit of prose that is an in-universe letter between characters. And uh, if I'm honest, Bill was really carrying the show there for a while. And I was like, hey, I should contribute a little bit to this. So I was like, why don't I, I know something about Conlang. Why don't I make a Conlang for your main culture, the Ibeski people? And that is what I've begun to do. Uh, the world's slowest conlang because I work on it maybe one day per month. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 something. By the way, um, if you want to like have do conlanging at like a reasonable pace and get a conlang finished in the year, uh, it's kind of late to get started on that. But uh, uh, Jesse Peterson has a new website on. Uh, Conlang year, you can you can go check that out for anybody who wants to do things on their own. But um, yeah, I have to bring her on for that. But anyway, oh, do back to I, I've been following. Yeah, back to um, so Edgar, what I I want to know, like you you kind of consider yourself to be like still a beginner conlanger although you have done it you you did start it years ago like what what attracted you to conlanging and how do you feel it adds to the more general world building stuff that you like to do so i mean what attracted me to conlanging i guess there was always it was before I even knew that Conlang was a thing, there was always something in the back of my mind, having read Tolkien uh, when I was younger, that like, oh, there appears to be made-up gibberish here, which I later found that was not gibberish. Uh, and Magic the Gathering and things like that, and just a whole bunch of like, you know, being a nerd and into fantasy, basically, kind of had that in the back of my mind. Um, but I actually, I came to it really late. I really only came to Conlanging 
after I started my YouTube channel, which was in, I started in 2014. So I think they came to Conlang in like 2015, 2016. I was thinking about ways to diversify the content. And I was like, I keep hearing this thing, Conlang. What is this? And then I came to it then. So I am a complete newbie as far as I'm aware, because uh, as far as I contend, because yeah, I just came to it so late compared to my peers. And yeah, I guess that's my journey there. Yeah. Um, so coming into it at, in 2015, I kind of wonder like where, where was your first place to go? Cause for me, it was the Zompist forum and, um, and the language construction kit, but that, that would have been much before you came in. It was the language construction kit precisely. Yeah, you did. You did. You did look at the language construction kit. Yeah, yeah but not not the Zombus boards. That was that was before my time. But because uh, I got into world building, mm-hmm. like the geofiction thing, through a book called A Writer's Guide to Creating Fictional Star Systems. So I figured same strategy. I head to my local bookstore, see if there's anything on this, and that is the book I found. Um, and then that's what kind of got that kick started, uh, and then thereafter finding all you know people I now would consider friends and learning through them, etc. Yeah. All right. So you, um, so like, what have you, there's not really a whole lot of like conlang features on your channel and such. Have you, do you have stuff that you've created in the background that you're not, you haven't shared as much? Yeah, I have, I have stuff, nothing that I would consider good or finished. And therefore, I am not sharing it at all. Um, Because it's just, it's the way I work, George, as well, is I'm really, I'm really good at not finishing projects. I'm really good at that. It's like a key skill in life of mine. Uh, So I have like countless notes and like, you know, little like, oh, I'll start a little phonology because I'm really, I got really into this particular sound system I found. And then that will, you know, go nowhere. So I have a giant file of that's literally called stuff to be finished which just never gets finished. So uh, that was part of the reason as well why it, it kind of made it onto the channel because I was like, hey, if I if I say I'm going to do conlang stuff, I'm kind of going to have to hold myself publicly accountable to this. And therefore I'll need to eventually uh, finish something to uh, a decent degree, you know? Um, so lots of stuff going on behind the scenes, none of which I consider good enough to be put on public. Again, particularly, you know, in relation to your work, like your, your stuff is awesome like on tongues and rooms and like you know david and jesse the stuff they do is awesome and bibs awesome and i look at mine and i'm like it's 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 staying in the closet it's going nowhere <laughs> well i'm glad you mentioned that because so this is this is the thing that i i really want to dig into for you because um we have several people who are creating languages like live on youtube uh, you've got me, you've got, uh, Jesse and David, uh, on Langtime Studio. You have Bibleridian on his channel, uh, who we talked to already. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that those projects have in common is it's all people sort of starting from scratch, doing their own thing. Yes. Yes. My languages that I'm making for tongues and runes are for dungeons and dragons languages, but, I'm not referring to any Wizards of the Coast material on any language at all for Mm -hmm. that. So 
what you have with the Abeski project um, is Bill made these names and he had these um, had, had these particular ideas of how they would be pronounced. And you are in the position of reverse engineering that it's sort of something more similar to what I've seen more in like uh, commercial languages in, in, in languages for like properties, like, like um, when we talked to Marco, when I talked to Marco Grind about Klingon, the stuff sure. you have to re- reverse engineer. Do you feel that you're having a different experience with that than with starting from scratch? Yeah, yeah, I am. It is, it is eye-opening, I think. Um, it's particularly one because I wanted to do it diegetically, like with, like with diachronic, uh, with a view to diachrony. And having to reverse engineer the history out of a given set of, I think Bill has about 90 words, is really tough when the original creator has not thought about it historically. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, a, it's an interesting creative challenge, though, because it really forces you to think outside the box uh, if i may give an example um bill had said that he really wanted nasal vowels and my go-to uh, and in fact prior to the abeski project my, the only way i thought of uh, doing nasal vowels is to just lose nasal codas um and have the nasal coda impart nasality on the vowel standard sort of stuff um but it's, some of his words adhere to this but others that should have shown that should have had nasal vowels in them didn't at all. So I was forced to kind of find another way of creating nasal vowels. And I ended up realizing or researching it and figuring out that you can lose um, glottal sounds in a case of like rhinoglottophilia, it's called, which I had no idea about. So it kind of forces me to learn new things. Uh, and it also teaches, I think, restraint because there are many points where I'm like, I will privately talk to Bill and be like, Bill, can we just not pronounce this word this way? Can we just like whole, wholesale changes? Because that would make my life easier. And not relying on that too much and really having to force yourself to work around what's there is an interesting challenge. Uh, I've lost hair because of it, but it's interesting. <laughs> that's that's really interesting. Yeah, I saw the, the rhinoglottophilia. Um, I know that you're sort of at the, the beginning of that project, but like, do you see other places where you're feeling like you're going to have to do some research and, and have to, to come up with out of the box solutions like that. Cause I, I had never heard of rhinoglottophilia before I saw that. I'm like, wait, okay. That's, <laughs> that's not something I would expect to happen for given like my, my own theoretical background and everything. And then, but it happens and you could use it. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there have been a number of points, but first, fortunately, I'm I'm quite lucky to have an audience, and I will very often, like, as a patron only live stream, I do Friday night live streams on my page for my patrons, and very often we will like work on a besky, um, and I have I'm in the fortunate position to have attracted actual linguists, um, uh-huh. as as well as conlangers to my audience. So very often they will kind of expedite that process a little bit. I'll be like, ha. Huh. What could, what could we possibly do here? And then an actual professional would be like, I have an idea, look into this. Um, so that kind of uh, is, uh, speeds it up. And the, the, the one thing I'm, I can think of now is that, again, Bill wanted the sh sound, the, the lateral fricative. Um, and he also wanted a, the, a check or, which I can't remember what it's actually called off the top of my head. I think it's a raised 
uh, raised alveolar fricative of trill. It's in Czech. Um, okay. Which I was like, what is this sound? Where I've never heard of this sound before. Um, and Kara Sarian, I don't know if you know who he is, pointed out that there's a really nice link there in that like the, the Czech ore was created through palatalization. Um, and you could also try and palatalize the L sound to sh in as a sort of analogous sort of thing. So it's an interesting thing that fell out of that, which would have been a whole research project project. But like I said, luckily I am surrounded by very erudite people and that helps yeah 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 um how does your other world building stuff um like filter into your approach to conlanging because um like one thing i i noticed when you were explaining the historical method of bill you're saying like we're 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 going to pick an initial point, an initial condition, and it doesn't matter how it got there. It's more about picking that and having some development after that. And you related that specifically to the way you did plate tectonics and right. also picked an initial condition because there's, there's a similar dynamic. I don't know how much is known about the actual initial conditions of Earth that created continents in the first place but mm -hmm. i know that for linguistics the actual initial condition of language is unknown and possibly unknowable yeah so like is are are there other ways that your your other world building is is informed by or or the the conlanging is being informed by your other world building stuff I mean, I think naturally, because like as I do non-conlang stuff, I'm constantly thinking about how my speakers would view the surroundings I'm creating. There's that obviously natural thing. But I think more interestingly, the reverse is kind of the case. I found that conlang and particularly getting into like a historical conlang has informed my world building. Like pr prior to getting into conlang, I wasn't really into you know, working out complicated plate tectonics. But I was like, well, wait a minute. I have this historical approach to conlanging. Why don't I take a historical approach to building worlds and looking at deep time, deep geological time in an analogous sort of thing? So it's it's the reverse, I think, is the more uh, salient thing that occurred. Oh, wow. Okay, that's 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 very interesting. Because, like, to me, at the when I was... Like starting out with conlanging, I also did a lot more like world building stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And um, now I mostly just do conlanging stuff. And mm -hmm. like to me, there is a lot of world building that emerges out of conlanging, particularly in terms of like lexicon building, yeah. right? I like um I was doing Lexember this year and I was coming up with words for internal organs and I realized well um dragons the way I've conceived of them are predators mm -hmm. they might think of this in terms of like food and also I saw like a relationship um in clicks between heart and liver and I'm like well I've had heart and I've I've had pork heart I've had pork liver they're kind of similar. Heart is a little bit tougher because it's actually a 
uh, working muscle, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the texture is similar enough that, yeah, you could probably identify them together if you're thinking about eating them. Yeah. Sorry, to bring it back, like, do, do you find this similar things happening with you, like, with actually making, like, the words of the language and that feeding back into making cultures? Yeah, yeah. The big one for me is religion. I always kind of struggled coming up with suitable religions, but again, getting into the historical linguistic sort of thing or conlang sort of thing, uh, it's kind of, I don't know, put my religion creation on on overdrive. There's just something about when you're coming up with lexicons and thinking about how your your, uh, speakers view the world and it just forces you to think culture and think in terms of anthropology. and then suddenly you're thinking religions and, you know, you're thinking different ways in which they name themselves, which is the thing, again, I never really thought of because I was just kind of like, you just have a first name, your last name, it's done. Like, But then thinking more organically uh, with respect to a culture has led to some, um, I'd say, interesting results. But ultimately, again, George, they all just get put in the folder that says shall never be published. <laughs> but yeah, for, for sure, definitely. I mean, you know, I have a lot of uh, of conlangs that are also just like stuck somewhere and not mm. and and not going anywhere. A big part of uh, tongues and runes was like, okay, I have something that I have to make in public and showcase in public uh, yeah. on a regular schedule, so that I that I'm 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 doing stuff, but like. Yeah, that's 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 normal. That's not a, a, a an unusual thing. Is there is there one of your conlangs that isn't published that like you feel it could be like brought back that has yeah. something interesting about it? Yeah. So the most developed one was a thing I was working on think in 2020 again i was doing it on stream which is pseudo public because it's it's not it's just patrons um so it's a very very small group of people watching it and that got to a stage where i could nearly class it as a sort of working conlang sans a decent lexicon and that was okay the only problem with that is that i wanted to make a tonal language and uh, midway through i realized that there's a difference between southeast asian style tonal languages and registered tonal language languages from basically everywhere else in the world and i decided that the, i didn't want to do a mandarin style thing halfway through and that kind of scuppered a lot of what came before and hence it got put in the folder from whence nothing will ever return but that's that's a candidate for for being brought back but honestly i think what i'm more interested in now especially inspired by jesse's work is when i go to do conlang on the channel again when the humans finally inhabit this planet i'm just very very interested interested in doing extremely basic languages and um, because mm-hmm. i find that from my own experience anyway anyways conlang is extremely difficult to get into um it just requires a lot of knowledge up front you know, like start with phonology right. and it's like, you need to know what the IPA is, all of these new symbols. You need to understand, you know, how sound changes work. It's quite a complex thing. So my whole shtick at the moment is trying to think to myself, how am I going to prep this project to try and make conlanging as accessible and simple as possible? So I'm big into creating very easy, minimal languages that, you know, 
I think would fill that role because I get tons of emails from from people still being all like, yeah, the world building stuff is great and all, but this conlang stuff I could never get into that. And I think because there is that kind of barrier to entry in, yeah. so I'm 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 interested in in reducing that because I was a teacher for like ten years. I taught music, and I, I enjoy the sort of uh, teaching aspect of it. So I, that's my main sort of thing. So I'd be more excited about doing that than uh, resuscitating a uh, a prior discarded conlang. You know. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. the The idea that you want to do something basic to teach people, and I, I think there there's some benefit to you at least seeing yourself as a newbie and doing that kind of thing because you know there's there's a reason that graduate students beca- are are used as TAs. Part of it is it's cheap labor, yes. That's right, that's yeah. definitely part of it. But um teaching helps them understand and also having someone who is not at the level of a professor uh and doesn't know like all of the things already helps connect with the undergrads who are taking the class because they they're not going to accidentally go into some concepts or and language that they're not ready for as I, easily i 100 percent agree with that definitely i think i have mm-hmm. my, my foot is in the beginner door and i think that is a useful tool to be able to leverage um yeah definitely so what let's 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 dial back like what would you consider so when you start up with conlanging videos again. You say you want to do more simple, more basic languages. What does that actually mean to you? Like what, what kinds of features are you aiming for? Wow. Okay. Um, I, I think, I think the main thing is not overrunning people with a ton of information. That's the first thing. Uh, because like I said, I think step one of, of historical conlanging is quite difficult as, as is. Uh, so trying to keep the information to a minimum is one, uh, but also just like um, focusing on, if we just focus on phonology for a second, like really simple tactics that provide a lot of utility. Um, so, you know, for, we all know this, but for example, like, oh, let's say we start off with a basic vowel system and we want to move those vowels around. Here, uvulars will do this for you. Palatals will do this for you. And just outline that and then show its implementation, but not doing, you know, not starting off with, you know, straight off the bat, I want to have this mad tone system, for example, things like that, you know, Um, almost, almost being the teacher I would have loved to have had back in 2016. I'm um, teaching past Edgar is maybe the way I would, I would phrase, (laughs) phrase doing that. Um, uh, Yeah. So that's, that's the kind of, the kind of shtick, you know, um, and also encouraging people, I think, as well to um, not because I think there's an impulse when one first learns about something to almost assume one is an expert in the thing and, uh, you know, say like, oh, I don't need to follow basic principles. I can just make these crazy creations and they always invariably turn out to be horrible in the long run. And um, so little things like sticking fairly close to English, like, you know having like an SVO word order and uh, like highlighting the fact that English is actually quite unhead initial, 
despite SVO being a head initial sort of thing and showing how just holding that variable in place and following it through can produce very like un-English results without having to do a whole bunch of, you know, um, learning about OVS languages, etc. Little, little things like that. If that makes any sense at all, George, I'm, I'm waffling. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Uh, I, I understand. So you're sort of simple tricks to start with to, to get you like what, what your goals are. That, that sounds really, really interesting. I, I do think, I mean, like some of your earlier videos are interesting in that, like you, you covered a topic in linguistics in a very accessible way. Oh, thank um, you. yeah. And, but at the same time, it was, it was not, it was, it was like, this is a cool thing in linguistics and it was not um, so much like there, there was not so much information on how you would use it in a conlang. That was if, me real time teaching myself linguistics. <laughs> That's yeah. what that was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, am encouraged to have the idea that you, now you are approaching it from the conlang perspective of yeah here's what I want to do. What things can I do to get that done? Um, because that, that we might need a little bit more of that. I, I have, I have had my own thought. I had my own thought like yesterday. So I don't know if this is going to come up, but I all, almost thought like, you know, I'm on this music theory rabbit hole in YouTube right now. I heard, like, I heard. Yes. <laughs> And uh, composing, composing music and 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 getting better at it, but you know I haven't uh, posted anything publicly yet. But like, but I think when we talk about theory in conlang, we often are talking about linguistic theory. Which I mean, uh, we've talked about how to, how you use linguistic theory in conlang. But I feel like like somebody. Maybe me, maybe you needs to, to come up with like uh, some information on conlanging theory, stuff like the Nolly Triangle and phonesthetics and things like that to, to get ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Part of me thinks that the prime person to do this is, is probably Jesse as well, because Jesse does seem to be very mm. much on a sort of like, this is for beginners. Like, I want to make this extremely accessible. Um, yeah. with, with with the conlanging year and with oh god I'm going to forget the document uh, a conlang venture um, she had this PDF document uh, which is basically like a sort of paint by numbers conlanging first exposure to conlang thing uh, which I which I think is phenomenal I absolutely adore Jesse's output I think Jesse if I may publicly advocate that's something Jesse should <laughs> should, should give a crack at I will I will too but I, yeah I think Jesse's stuff should be suited to that I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, things that, that are useful. And I, I'm thinking also in things that are useful. I, I've, I've had a lot of thinking about like, you know, genres of conlangs and styles of conlanging and like things that I'm seeing done that I didn't pay as much attention to before. Here's, here's a question because you're starting from scratch, you're doing plate tectonics and and evolution and everything. At what stage are you going to introduce humans 
and then have conlanging happen. So unfortunately, as pertains to this podcast, it's the final stage uh, because I figured, you know, you need to have a planet, right? Like the planet has to house the humans. So we should do the planet stuff first. If I'm going to do a proper biosphere, um, like an alien world, um, I should probably do that before the conlang because obviously the human's language would be informed by all of the creepy qualities that are going around the place. So I figured the correct order of operations is geofiction, planets first then aliens, then humans. Uh, but given the rate I work at, this could be, I told people it was a three to five year project. It might be more like a four to four to eight year project at this stage, because <laughs> it's just, it takes me a long time to do these things. Uh, but that's that's the sort of workflow and um, order of operations. But I got to say, like particularly of late working on a Besky, I have this hankering to do conlanging on the channel, but I just, I can't, well, one, I don't want to break the form I've set up for myself, but I, I really have to restrain myself. That's why Abeski working on this language with Bill is such a wonderful outlet because I think I'd be driven stir crazy if I wasn't doing any conlang at all. Um, so <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm in for. Yeah. I mean, you know, not to suggest putting more on your plate, but I mean, you know, there's a <laughs> bunch of, there's a bunch of conlang YouTubers we could all get together and do like collaborations of like, oh, let's let's take this single um, let, let's just take this single proto language, let's have somebody generate it, and we'll all do different versions of it, something you, like that. I would. I would absolutely love that. And I've, th I've thought about something like that because, uh, again, I'd love to, I've never really taught, uh, done stuff uh, as pertains to like sister langs and, and that sort of thing and daughter langs. And I'd love to, uh, and that really makes, I think, makes a world feel really lived yeah. in when you have that, when you can refer to like, oh, this is classic conlang. And this is, you know, yeah. uh, 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 the Western branch of conlang. And I've, I've, thought oh i'd love to do that on the channel but then i'm like the workload of that is extreme so i've thought like could i bring in people could i could i leverage you or babe or someone else to like do all this you know that would be really cool well i mean yeah we could we could do that i i you could think there there's also other angles for that so i mean the 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 classic thing is is you could have um a provided proto lang and then everybody creates a branch right uh, another thing would be is like two people collaborate or, or more than two, uh, because it can happen with, with many languages, uh, create a language, create something, something that's, that's usable and have, have, uh, a decent base and then creolize, um, that that has an embarrassing gap in my knowledge. I know absolutely nothing about creating beyond just even the most just the most surface thing, creating pigeons and creoles. Again, I refer to I I see the book behind you. Yeah, yeah. Refer to earlier conversation. Uh, I am a newbie. <laughs> I've got I've got I think do I have all of the volumes of this? I have one, two, and three. I think that's all of it. And also this 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 is companion to an online database. So, who, like, that's a suggestion you? if you want to learn more about Creoles. The thing thing about Creoles is, like, most of the research is on um, uh, Creoles with a, a European lexicalizer. Sure. So there is there is a question of, oh, well, I mean, maybe maybe also try to seek out questions questions of of creoles that are 
that have other like super straight languages because like that is limiting and it, it may be, um, it, it may cause you to do some things that are unintended, but at the same time, there is quite a diversity of just like English based and Spanish based and Portuguese based mm-hmm. Creoles based on the different substrate languages they have. Um, so you could, you could take a look at all of that. Um, if, you, if you'd send me the author name, that'd be class. Uh, if I may, I know I realize you're, you're interviewing me, but if I may ask you a question, I, you, you've three books behind you there. Do you have a particular interest in uh, pigeons and creoles? Um, you know what? Not, not actually. <laughs> I've never created a, a creole language, and, and it's it's. I mean, everybody kind of is interested in them because it it breaks the typical mold of the the, the mold that we we learn first of branching off into families and it's combining two languages in a particular way. But I know the basics of how Creoles form and I have those books. I've read a little bit of from those. Um, they're very interesting. I would say that studying from Creoles is interesting for a similar reason that I, I like studying. Uh, I like taking inspiration from Chinese um, in like lexicon building and grammaticalization because the grammaticalizations can be very transparent. transparent. You, yeah. you, you look at, uh, talk bisin and it's, uh, prepositions long and belong. Well, I know exactly where they came from. Precisely. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the, the dual, the dual inclusive yumi, I know where that came from. Uh, it's, it's really interesting to see that and see that transparently laid out whereas in a non-creole language a lot of things those things have gotten obscured by time and and historical changes sometimes to the point where we don't actually know what the ultimate source was Mm -hmm. so it it is interesting um cool Cool. yeah yeah i i i think i think that this is this is a, a good idea actually but like you could have multiple people branch off of one protolang you could have a creolization event happen you could just have different uh conlangers start different families and populate a whole world oh, uh <laughs> I, I love that like it's something i would love to do on my own but then again like i realize the magnitude of the task i just I, i'm like <laughs> oh boy <laughs> but because it just yeah, if, if yeah. you were to ever get to that stage it just makes a world so incredibly lived in you know um again just this deep history this deep time this interconnectedness between yeah. all that is spoken on the language it'd be, it'd be such an amazing thing to do but a feat i didn't and then you would get quicker to the part that i have always wanted to get to and all and never get to is is like borrowing between languages yeah 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 exactly yeah exactly exactly uh, yeah. i don't think you're the only um, one i think i think a lot of people uh i speak to uh, who would be quite accomplished are like you know i've never actually borrowed between languages too much like it's it's a thing that that step doesn't happen very often yeah it's it's such a big part of natural languages yeah but conlangers like since as 
either you focus on one project for a long time or you move from project to project that are not actually in the same world and you end up with a bunch of isolates isolates yeah. that have no connection to any other language and i mean that's not that's not how a real language will 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 be so it would or, or be we, or, yeah or we real languages that i think that's the key thing you need to dedicate the time to how in a single world have all these languages yeah. and you know you have to construct them all first so like i can totally see why that's a thing that people yeah. don't oft get to you know and and also like uh we're we're branching off we're we're talking about all kinds of like speculative things we we could do but um like another part of that is different conlangers have different styles i am noticing yeah um yeah david and jesse especially in their um langtime studio languages they're very particular about finding what the source of every um, grammaticalized morpheme is. Although I know David doesn't like oh, the word morpheme. morpheme. I'm just morphine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, th th they're 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 really interested in that, and you they they always like when they're making a new affix or a new um, grammatical. Uh, word grammatical morph they're always like thinking about what did it mean and what was what kind what class of word it was before and then bringing it in what i've started doing that some some of that but like i actually like said like you know you don't necessarily have to do that with every single one because in proto-indo-european we have case suffixes that go all the way back to proto-indo-european and we don't know anything about where they came from before that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's kind of the yeah, it's kind of the thing that you talked about in Abeski, where like you're setting a starting point of somewhere like a thousand years before mm -hmm. what you're what you're doing, and but uh, but what came before is less of a thing. I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think that that is an important thing. Even when one is doing historical conlanging, uh, it is still important to remember that lots of things are just unanalyzable. They go all the way back. Um, yeah. I can't, how many times I've been to Wiktionary, just like with the PIE example you, you said there, you go back and you're like, oh, I wonder what the source of this is. And it turns out it's just always been that. Um, I think it's important, <laughs> it's important to have that in the language to make, I think, to make it feel more lived in. But also it's kind of like a nice little get out of jail free card that sometimes you're just yeah. really struggling to come up with a thing. You can just be like, it was like that. Um, there was another thing you mentioned there. What was it? I forgot that I was going to say. Um, oh yes, yes, yes. The styles of Conlang. Uh, I found a huge, huge, massive influence on my development and continued development is Bib, uh, Bib Iridian. Um, he was the one who got me into historical mm -hmm. Conlang. So without him, I would be even more of a noob than I already am. Uh, and it's yeah. through him and then through watching Dave and Jesse stuff that I really have doubled down on that type of methodology. So I'm very into um tracking things back uh as much as i can 
also keeping an eye out on what I just said, that some stuff just does, does go back and that's fine. You should have that. Uh, because it's extremely useful because sometimes you're like, oh, well, okay, this affix came from X place. And then way down the line, you figure out, well, wait a minute, because it came from this place, I could totally use that construction over here. And then it's just like, yeah. that would never have occurred to you, you know? So I think it's a really useful thing to go too much down that route, you know? Uh, there's, I, I think there's, there's not really much negative in going down that route um, yeah. to, to, to a large degree. you know what I mean? Whereas I think the other uh, can be, if you double that, if you go too much on, ah, it just was like that in the protolang, um, you suddenly end up with something that is purportedly diachronic, but not at all, you know? Um, right. So anyway, so that right. was, again, another waffling answer. Sorry, George, your turn. No, 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 no. no that, that's, that's, that's very important. And it, it, it's highlighting um, the thing, the, thing that's important well anyway we were talking about historical conlang and styles and like um my uh william annis who was co-host on this show for for years mm -hmm. he he doesn't do historical stuff and he like to him he sees the historical method as like um the same as an artist who draws the 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 bones before they draw the actual character mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. things like that as as like a guide to help you learn but it's not always necessary i don't sure. know like i think i think in some cases you can probably do without it once you understand patterns but i think it still will add something um if you do do things historically because you come up with still like unexpected things and you have more consistency, but mm -hmm. you know, different conlangers have different things and different conlangers have like different aesthetic processes. Like I do, a, I, I like randomly generating roots. Mm -hmm. David and Jesse are, are just like, are coming up with the, them like by mouth. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you have like different preferences for phonologies and stuff. David hates central vowels. Agma schwa. <laughs> it seems like every single one of his languages has something like weird about it. Um, some, some, something that makes it a little difficult. <laughs> um, and uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward someday to seeing more of your stuff to see like what what your style aesthetic well, style thank is you. Well, thank you. <laughs> and it's i think but, it's important um, to note that like no one is right or wrong here that's the important thing yeah yeah um, yeah you know it's not like if you're into diachronic thing anyone who doesn't do that is somehow like a bad conlang or scare quotes like it's all it's art at the end of the day and whichever way you choose to approach said art is correct you know yeah um Coming back, let's let's actually um, in the last bit. The one th one thing I wanted to ask you about is like we've been talking a bit about like the sort of growing community of like YouTube conlangers and mm -hmm. such, and like how how do you see like that the growth in that and like your particular place within it. Uh, well, so first of all, the growth is amazing, and I'm glad to see it. Again, I would have loved to have the likes of yourself or Bib or Jesse and David on YouTube back in 2015, 2016. That would have been 
that would have accelerated the process something serious. So it's really great that that exists for people now. Um, and everyone should be watching everyone else here because you just learn so much, uh, much from them. Um, again, I think hearkening back to what I said before, I think my role would be to sort of my uh, my gimmick here would be the fact that I am not as skilled as the aforementioned people. Um, and therefore, it would be like constructing a language live, air quotes, um, but from the perspective of someone who doesn't consider themselves um that well-versed in conlang and it which i think is a a useful thing to have to add to the collection of of things that are going on um because again i can imagine the past version of me really gravitating towards that it's like oh here's someone who's on a similar journey to uh to what i'm on uh let me watch them and let me learn from them too and then my hope would be that people would eventually if they were to come to my stuff first they'd eventually graduate and find you know bib you jesse and David and and go beyond that. So again, like I said, I'm very 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 interested in yeah. the the entry level. Like that that really interests me. Well, you won't be there forever, though. <laughs> Hopefully, no, 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 I won't, I won't. But I mean, it's it's akin to my teaching career. So again, I was a teacher for about a decade. I taught classical guitar and piano. Um, I'm technically a musician by trade. Um, and in those ten years, I basically only ever taught uh beginners because it's it's quite difficult to become an accomplished classical musician so many kids you know i didn't teach any prodigies basically <laughs> they were yeah. all beginners and I, I just it never got uninteresting continuously inhabiting that beginner space because there's always ways to convey this information um better and easier for for people and i really i really enjoyed it so even one day when i you know if i hypothetically go back to college and get myself a doctorate in in linguistics or something i think i would still want to inhabit this beginner space because it's an important space i think yeah that that is really a, a cool attitude to have um and uh you know Different people also, different beginners will resonate with different messages and different grounding and different different things that you use to tell them about things. So I think mm -hmm. a variety of that content can be helpful too. Um, uh, I, I, I really am enjoying seeing th things grow and like now looking out to... Uh, Conlang YouTubers, partly partly to try to grow the Conlangery channel to get it to to get it up there, but also just to see newer Conlangers that I hadn't heard of before and seeing like what they do and how they are 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 doing these things, how they are talking about these things. Um, it's been a very different kind of experience than you know the previous stages of the Conlang community that I experienced with the forums and Conlang L. Uh, does anyone so, go to Conlang L? That is, oh, I don't even gosh. know. I don't even know what that is, George. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a mailing list. That's, yeah, no, that's, I'm, so I'm that's how old that one is. <laughs> um, it's the, the Conlang L mailing list, which I stopped using not so much because it was not interesting, just because using an email mailing list to talk to people is kind of frustrating. I, <laughs> yep, I would agree with that. <laughs> but uh, then, then on to social media groups on Facebook, on Reddit, on uh, 
Twitter, which I don't think any conlangers are on Twitter anymore. Um, but I don't, uh, so. I don't think so either. <laughs> I mean, but, I'm um, nominally on Twitter, but I haven't visited that site in oh, was it? It must be a year or two at this stage now. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, now, but now we're we're on YouTube is like another stage of the community and there's new people coming in with new ideas it's really interesting it's really good and like i said i just i would have killed for this to be the sort of the meta back in 2016 it would have been i would have been amazing to have it so i'm I'm really glad it's here um so shout out to you george for tons of (laughs) moons well i mean i'm i'm a late comer to it because because like um Bibleridian was was on here, and he was like the guy for a while. And then Langtime Studio started, and Langtime Studio inspired me to bring Conlangery online on on YouTube. Finally, because like, oh, there are people consuming video content about people. People are watching videos about Conlanging. People are watching streams of people making a Conlang. That was interesting to me and uh well i decided to to jump into that and see what i could do with that but uh yeah well thanks thanks for that but uh yeah well uh best of luck with the abeski adventure i am going to Thank be watching much. that because i i enjoy i enjoy the different perspective of okay here's a guy who is not into linguistics who made a bunch of a, a bunch of names now, a conlanger has to come and say, "Like, hi, okay, how how am I going to make this work and make it consistent?" And it's also it's also quite fun being like, you know, I'd be like, "Bill, we're going to talk about nominal number." Here's a Wikipedia page and a few links to really dead art of like papers on it. Please read, like, be a quick study here. We need to read through this. So it's it's fun. It's a fun ex- forcing to uh, forcing Bill to be exposed to that as well. <laughs> uh, but it, but if I may if I may go back again uh, to, to tongues and runes again, I appreciate that you might be talking to me, but I really enjoyed t- uh, asking questions as well, um, or or I guess talking at people. But the um, tongues and runes, I uh, I just want to say thank you for making tongues and runes. It's great. Uh, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is going to be very much like um, Langtime Studio, which would have been fine and all. But the fact that you've come at this from such a unique angle with, with the D&D stuff, with the dice rolling, uh, and like you oh, said, yeah. the way the way you generate roots and things is very different to the way David and Jesse do it. It's another really interesting perspective. And you're you're teaching me loads. You're You're pointing me to places that I'm really glad I know exist now. Like just today, I was... Uh, I'd missed a bunch of episodes in December because December is crazy. And I just began catching up and I was watching, I can't remember which episode it was, but you mentioned a, a, a website called Click, I believe it was. Clicks. That's, clicks. Clicks. Oh, yes. Clicks. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me, let me, let me. So. Of course, go for it. So let me, let me, let me just talk about Clicks for a second because Clicks is an essential part of uh, how I do lexicon. And uh, actually, you know what? Let me actually uh, show the people. Uh, if you're on the video, hi, video people. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Have you had your face on video before? I have, but not in years, and I, I forget how hideous I look. <laughs> no, you look great. 
<laughs> You're a handsome man. Okay. Oh, thank you very uh, much. It's the big ginger okay, beard so, that'll do it. Okay. Let's let's uh I don't know what whether I should show share what I should share. Let's go. Yeah, clicks. I should do a whole video on clicks and uh datsem shifts and, and other things that I use. Clicks is very, very useful when you're lexicon building because you have all these concepts. If you're doing something that's a rather basic concept, sometimes kind of even like courtyard and gazelle and which are less basic, but like mm -hmm. you go there, you can see the co-lexifications and you can, you can even click in here and you can look at all the language families and see, okay, this, this seems to be, so dust and er, dust, dust and ash seem to be co-lexified across a lot of families. Mm -hmm. Does it seem like, it doesn't seem like this is a, a one-off or a mistake. This is this is a really common situation that happens. So that means like one of your options when you're making the word for dust to have it also is to have it also mean ash. And you or, can do that. You can cross-reference that with a couple other sites. You can go to Wiktionary. You can do a lot of yeah. things. But like clicks is like my go-to when I'm lexicon building in order to get at um, where you're going. So like, I'm glad that I introduced some people to that because it's, 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 it's handy. Um, yeah, I, ha I had absolutely no idea that existed. And uh, I was, my jaw hit the floor when I saw you open that. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Give me more. Yeah. Come on, let's go. So they also have so info maps so that like, Oh, they're beautiful as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like, very informative, but also extremely pretty to look at. So they have, and I don't actually know what the difference between an info, info map and a sub subgraph is, but they end up showing different uh, information. But like, if we go into the info map for Earth, if this actually loads, oh, <laughs> oh no, okay, then. You you see all of these, and you see it all in this in this nice um, this nice little web format, so that you can go and see. Okay, Earth can can be colexified with country, world, play, and then you can follow around to Earth, and then ground, and then area. So that's an axis where you could have all of those meanings in one word. It's so really good. it's really handy. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm gonna have to make a video about um, the tools that I use for lexicon building. Then, because uh, the, yeah. the, I like database tools. Um, mm -hmm. All of my dice tables are based on Grand Bank data now, yeah. uh, or um, my method for generating vowels that I have now is actually based on uh, Foible, but like all the grammar stuff is all gram bank based. So yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting to see like what references everybody uses. Um the <laughs> world lexicon of grammaticalization is something I yeah. picked up from uh uh David and Jesse and really? I I do look at that from time to time. That's 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 a useful thing to have if you're doing grammaticalization. Um, but yeah, uh, I, 
All right, we're 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 coming up on an hour. We got like sidetracked multiple different ways, I'm sorry. but uh, I, I'm I, sorry. I, it's been no no. It's been a great conversation. Do you have any like final thoughts you want to to give people? Uh, if anyone's watching this from my channel, will you just smash like and subscribe on Con- the Con Langry podcast? That would I, that would make me feel very nice, and I'm sure it would make George feel very, very <laughs> nice too. <laughs> no, no, it was it was it and was, subscribe to the Patreon too. That would be oh, nice. Oh, the Patreon, very good, very good. Um, the no, it was great, and I, you know, just a behind the scenes sort of stuff for people listening. I was very nervous coming on because I've not really, I don't think I've ever done an interview at all. Um, <laughs> and uh, George, you were you were gentle uh, for my maiden voyage here, so thank you so much because I really was a barrel of nerves coming on. Yeah. It was great. I, I had lots of fun, so thank you very much. Yeah. So. That's that's great. Uh, do you have any like advice for beginning conlangers? I will give the v- advice my old uh, composition teacher from college gave, and that was the trash can is your best friend, um, which sometimes uh, I forget and people don't want to acknowledge. Like, it, it, do not be afraid to destroy things and throw things out and rework things. That is part of the creative process, and it's an incredibly yeah. important tool. Um, so that that's it's a one piece of advice that stuck with me throughout the years, and it it translates well to conlang. So that will be that will be my shelf for that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a great conversation. Thank you very much. And uh, you know, hopefully, we can have collaborations and and further discussions in the future. Uh, Absolutely. So with that, I'm going to say happy conlanging. Happy conlanging, everyone. Special thanks to my patrons on Patreon. If you go over there right now, you can get early access to episodes. You can get access to scripts for my solo episodes. And you can go get access to exclusive polls for Tongues and Runes. Thank you to... Mintaka. Connor Stewart Rowe. Kenan Kigunda. Viren Patrick, Kay, Alex Russell Hayes, Jesse, Sylvia Sotomayor, Alexis Hugelman, Paul Roser, Langworm, Cassandra Woodhouse, Miles Ronkovich, Jake Penny, Artifexian, Nicholas Norblad, Eloy Varyana Mentuleum, Sigourney Hunter, Anthony Dosimo, Jack Keynes, Grakagrunk, Grammar Antifa, Wu Ming Shuai. Con Langery's theme music is by Null Device. Con Langery is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial Share Alike 4.0 International License. <laughs>